Blog Talk Radio. Enchantress. Hey, Dara Bindwood. Getting my mints and gums ready in case I have the old cotton mouth. It's been a minute since I was on the radio. It's actually been a minute since I spoke at all <laughs> because I had laryngitis for a full week. And although my family counted it as a blessed respite from the sound of my voice, I didn't like it at all. So, I'm happy to be voicing at you all, and especially on the occasion of the celebration of my matron, and hopefully we can share this evening um, our relationships with Hecate to see us through these dark winter months. Um, And to that effect, our guests this evening are my sisters in Hecate, Stephanie Klein, noted author and part-time celebrity, full-time mom, and Erin <laughs> Sauber. celebrity. Well, no, this is true. This is factual stuff. <laughs> I mean, we can point to websites and stuff. And, you know, you know, your celebrity stalkers, those are pretty famous, too. Um and Erin Sovereign, a newer sister, who was pretty much <clears throat> dunked into the river Styx <laughs> um, to be part of our coven of sisters and brothers. I suppose we do have brothers as well, brothers in Hecate. Um, but it's nice to be back. Bradwick, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm so happy to have you back with us. Aww. Were you sad? I was. I missed you. I missed you. Say more words about that. I like being missed. <laughs> no, no, seriously, just, say more you know, words I about that. I hearing your voice. <laughs> I will. I will. I mean, uh, I mean, um, I mean, I guess our listeners don't have to know this, but I, I mean, I call Federa every day. <laughs> Normally, Good around job. 2 o'clock on my lunch break. So, <laughs> yeah, my little, and, my little um, pudding. I know I wasn't able to do that for a while, so I called um, everybody around you <laughs> instead. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone around me. Well, it is funny. You want to hear a really funny story? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> We always have to come back with a story. Okay, so whatever, life life and death shit happened two weeks ago. <laughs> but um, so yesterday, I'm trying to grasp for some moments of normalcy. And during a drug-induced haze, because, you know, that's how I prefer to live these days, um, I said, let's play Rummy Cube. And... Because numbers always make me feel right about the world, right? It's a universal language. I am part Vulcan. This shit is true. <laughs> so we're playing Rummy Cube, and we were talking about my having laryngitis because I had all of this anaphylaxis drama in my 
chest and my throat and my vocal cords were just six ways to screwed. And I said, and I said, you know, I really didn't mind that. I didn't mind being quiet. I kind of liked being silent and cryptic and I don't know, it just felt like I was smoldering, you know, and it was very, I don't know, it was great. So I said, you know, I I could see, I could see me taking a vow of silence and Aaron says, she says, it's going to be really hard to do a podcast that way. <laughs> and, I, and I looked at her and she instantly pisses herself laughing because it didn't even fucking occur to me that yeah you know it's really hard Sarah, to run a podcast every Friday if, if you're not talking the entire time <laughs> <laughs> and she's just have a stand-in. You know what? But this is typical sin for me because she looks at me and she starts like silent laughing and I haven't figured out yet what the fuck is so funny. And then I go, oh, I guess it would be hard to have a podcast if I'm observing this vow of silence. And it was almost as if this teeny tiny appliance light bulb of realization went off inside my head because she's watching me. And I guess I must have made some kind of face (laughs) because she started laughing her ass off. And I'm like, this woman just spoke to me like I was the biggest (laughs) fucking moron on the face of the planet or at least this bed because I was staring at her with this vacuous look of, you are such an idiot. I mean, she didn't didn't even have to say it. I knew how stupid I was in that moment. And wow, I haven't forgotten it since because I start laughing my ass off and then she's laughing at me and I'm like, bitch, we have been in quarantine for 37 weeks. It's time to go oh. back on air because I cannot keep this level of crazy to myself. I need to, to share with people my my superhero name when it's not Chaotica. It's actually Cataclysma, which has been my name for a really long time if I were a superhero or villain or whatever. But, yeah, no. So uh, I'm still trying to figure out the paradoxical um, functionings of how to run a podcast while observing a vow of silence. If anybody has any tips for that, (laughs) Um, I mean, I'd love to hear that because we could make some paradoxical shit happen. I mean, I I believe. I believe we can. What are you laughing about, Stephanie Yance? I I was just picturing in my head uh, you with one of those boxes uh, like um, Stephen Hawking had where you're typing out what you want to yes! say. 
So it comes out in like a road, you know, like a, a robot voice. Well, you know, it's funny that you should mention Stephen Hawking. I told Aaron that if I were to ever be a Stephen Hawking's, I would be the bitch that instead of like this Professor Xavier wheelchair, I would actually have a 1970s lawn chair on roller skates with a cocktail straw as my little mouth thing and a 1992 Apple Mac keyboard that somebody found in a tech shop somewhere in Topeka, Kansas. That would be my whole setup and a story. Boom. High tech. What do you think? <laughs> I like it. It works. You can Whatever works. You, you can see it, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the whole straps on my um, 1970s lawn chair would be green and yellow. No, May. Because that was what that color was called back in the day. Bradwick, you wouldn't know shit about that because you're like 12 years old. But <laughs> lawn chairs were <laughs> They were not the only bad-looking thing in the 70s, let me tell you what. <laughs> so, <laughs> anywho, how did things go, Bradwick, while I was away? Let's do a little reflection. Things went well. We had um, we had a lot of the elders, uh, the elder cousins call in. Um, uh, I they think we had a really you? good roundtable the last two episodes, sorry? Did they abuse you? No, no, they were really nice. I think they wanted to. Uh, actually, no, they really wanted to lay into you, but I didn't get to So that might be on the back burner for another time. <laughs> oh, I wonder what that's about. They were wanting to roast the host. Well, shit, I regret that I yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard that you had some uh, technical difficulty. How did how did that go? What did that look like? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have recovered. Um, I I yes, there was a technical error. And I learned from it. Everything worked out seamlessly fine. Probably was a little glitch in the system for the listeners for a little minute or two. Okay, yeah. maybe maybe forty five minutes. But we fixed it, and everything's right. Good. Great. So, um, did I have a panic attack or three? Yeah. Is it okay now? Yeah. So. Did you cry? Your phone is. So just a heads up, Bradwick, and I want you to freak out, but I'm going to say preemptively that your phone or your mic is a little scratchy, and I know that voice quality is important to you. Just be aware that it's a little garbage. It sounds kind of like that robot. Like... Yes. Are you... <laughs> are, are, are you from Doctor Who? I feel like we're playing 20 questions or spin the bottle. Which one? I don't know. Bradwick, say more words. Um, um, well, I mean, you know, yeah, that's a like, question. Ah. It's another. So. 
Okay, so what do you have to do, Bradwick? Do you hang up and call back? Yes, yes, I'm going to do that, but you can continue talking. I will return in a moment. Okay, so I will sing The Girl from Ipanema by Joao and Gilberto, which are two artists of Brazilian jazz, also known as Bossa Nova. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Stephanie, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> talk to me more. Talk to me about your life. I miss you horribly. We haven't spoken in like six thousand years. I know. I, did, I feel like I haven't spoken know. to anybody. Well, I you moved closer to me now, and I appreciate that gesture because I was suffering horribly mm-hmm. without you. Yeah, I moved back just in time for COVID to tell me I couldn't see anybody. That's right. Yep. So now you know so. every square inch of your household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we moved from the mountains in Boone back to, well, we live in Mooresville um, by the lake. The dirty mode. And Yeah. And... um I work from home, so I've always worked from home. It's not a COVID thing. Um, so I pretty much just sit at my desk all the time and work. Um, I have a, besides being an author, I mean, that takes up such a small amount of my time. I own a publishing <laughs> company and a ghostwriting company and a charity. And so I'm just, I just keep going constantly. I like it. Yeah. So I mean, it, I'm tired it, most of the time, but. I mean, you're also a mom, so. That's true. Yeah. I mean, no Mikey's good, though. He's it. a little me. He and is. just likes to. He just likes to play his instruments and watch YouTube, and that's about it, so. I, I hear he is quite a musician. Yes, he plays the upright bass, and um, he stole my violin, and he's been playing that a lot. Um, I let him take it back to his dad, so that's good, because he tortured his dad for a little while with that. And, um, yeah. (laughs) But I have about, you know, 60 people that work for me, and all online, and just kind of get through the month day by day these days. Um, the COVID hasn't hit our business quite as bad as it has brick and mortar companies because we're online yeah. and we're in a, a an avenue where people are still buying books. But at the beginning, it, we were hit pretty hard when uh, it was more globally than it was um, locally like the U.S. because all the other countries started shutting down before us. So people were without work so they ended up canceling contracts and the way that my company works so that I can protect the writers is I have a contract with the writer and I have a contract with the client so if the client cancels I still have to pay the writer so that hurt yeah (laughs) but we're still going so um, the government has been no help to us we applied for a PPP loan and we got about less than a month's worth of uh, funds that were supposed to last us several months um, because the banks just kind of did whatever they wanted. It wasn't really based on what 
the government put out in the regulations. So we kind of, the small guy got hurt and the That's the big true. guys yep. got money when they didn't need it. So. Wow. Well, you know, something to be said for fucking patriarchy. Oh, by mm-hmm. the way, we mm. swear freely on the show, in case you had not <laughs> noticed. I swear freely <laughs> all the time. So that's good. <laughs> but I mean, it is funny because I was um, I was speaking with Aaron and Pam uh, last week, and I was like, okay, so was everybody comfortable on the call? Did they do well? It was so funny because evidently there was a question about whether or not people could swear on my show. And it's like, uh, do they even know me? Do they not understand? <laughs> Like, I am not a big proponent of uh, censorship, let alone tact. I mean, what the hell is that? Right. So, yeah, no, man. Let it well, People rip. want to hear what, what we have to say, you know, and there's, you know, sometimes emotion is the most powerful voice, and emotion comes along with language sometimes. So Hello. they're just words. We made them up. This is, they're just words. They are words. And this is exactly the mm-hmm. argument that I approached my 10th grade honors English teacher when he told me that swearing was the hallmark of the crude. I said, well, check this fucking crudeness, you piece of shit. I said, when's the last <laughs> time you were a woman and angry? He goes, mm-hmm. all right, Carmen, you can just head right on down to Principal Sullivan's office. I said, you know what? That's fine. I was going anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, I bet you guys can see that happening. I'm sure. Yeah, getting sent to the principal's office, that sounds like a fun thing. Which is I fine, am. because I, I didn't have to deal with the jackasses in my in my classroom anymore. I could get my work done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, well, what else? Is I, what you know, you some mean? of the... What? I'm sorry, say that again. What else is, what's new? What's good? What's going on? Talk more about your stuff. Um, I miss you. Yeah, there's, just, there's just not a lot going on. I mean, um, we're, Michael and I work together, my husband, Michael, uh, my son is Mikey. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we both work from home, Michael writes. Um, so part of, so I have three, three main parts of my, my businesses. It's the publishing portion of it, which is where my books come into play it, it's where other authors are published. It's where pen names are published. Um, and then it's the biggest part is the ghostwriting firm. And it's not just ghostwriting. It's editing, audio recording. And 99% of my stuff these days is audio, um, voiceover work, hmm. stuff like that. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I wanted to get out of the ghostwriting because, to be honest with you, I'm burned out after you yeah. know six years of just Writing, I write five to six books a month um, for clients, and it's just exhausting. And um, yeah, I would imagine. So I wanted to get into something else. So and what's then, the um, so, well, I mean, it, I wanted so the my course of action when I started the ghostwriting firm was simply to, I mean, the whole reason I started it was to offer a more inclusive environment for. Um, people, ghostwriters, um, freelancers, because this 
industry, one, one dirty little secret that people don't realize is there's still a lot of sexism. There's uh, an enormous portion of clients who don't like uh, LGBTQ characters who don't want to include, uh, you know, inclusive language in their books um, who, you know, Look, you know, find certain things. I mean, you can find anything you want about anybody you talk to. So some of my writers that one of the things they came up against was when somebody would hire them for a job and then kind of do their own research on who they were, it didn't matter how good they were at their job. If they saw that they were something they didn't like, they would, you know, pass on them for a job. And it, it, it took me, starting this company to really see the depth of it that is on that side of things, because I already saw the, the sexism, you know, firsthand, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you know, I can't write an article about fishing because I'm a woman, you know, I can't write a, a book oh, from a man's perspective uh, because I'm a woman. And I'm sorry, but if you've ever read a, a romance book or a erotica book written by a man from the woman's perspective, uh, most of them are pretty rough. Uh, most yeah, of them say, you look at and you're like, what? <laughs> like, like who who wrote this? <laughs> this person is yeah. obviously AI because this is not, this is not right. how women do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, mm. it, it, and it, it, I mean, it's even down to the, the, the business. I mean, people don't realize that probably, if you don't know the name of the author, there's a 75% chance it's not an author. Um, the amount of books right. on Amazon that are ghostwritten, that are just pen names by a company who pumps out books, it's huge. Yeah. It's an enormous business. And yeah. um, and they're, they're, <laughs> the genres kill me because I would say that 95% of our orders are romance because that's the biggest selling uh, genre on Amazon. And they're all... Billionaire men, little meek women, and right. though we do, we will write those, and we've got to make a paycheck. But the whole point of it is, when when does that get flipped? You know, when do I have a billionaire woman when there you know this guy nine. who doesn't know what he wants to do with his life, you know, and he gets sucked into this world with this woman, you know, when when do we start writing those books? And it really comes down to the readers. Um, yeah. The readers need to say, I want to see this. I want yeah. this, you know. I want, you know, gay uh, characters. I want, you know, transgender characters. I want, you know, these storylines in mainstream right. literature. So right. we're just kind of kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, well, good. And we yeah, stick to our guns on it, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I love so, it. Yeah, so well, that's what we're doing. We have a charity too. So, oh, we'll talk about that. What's that about? So, uh, Clever Girl Charities is we haven't done a lot with it now. We had it just ramped up to get going right before COVID. Um, it has a several kind of different aspects to it because when I started Clever Girl Publishing, I said I want to do so many things, you know, charity wise. Why don't I just make a charity too? And so. A big portion of it is literacy. Um, it's working with uh, kids in schools. It's writing and reading. 
um, teaching them how to write, teaching them, you know, the little things here and there to make people realize that college is great. I'm never going to say college isn't great, but you don't have to go to college to make a really good living and do what you're passionate about. I mean, I have three degrees and I don't use any of them because right. none of them were in writing. Um, so, you know, if you love to write, there's a good avenue for it. And um, the other portion of it was uh, m- actually my son came up with it. Um, he wanted to start um, like a, I forget what he called it, but it was like, a, it's like a closet. So basically um, youth, uh, who are, I guess, deciding or have decided, you know, what gender that they feel most comfortable in. Um, they can, you know, write us or email us or call us or anything like that, and we'll send them clothes, um, you know, their preferred gender or their preferred style or whatever it is. Um, so that's that's something that we're working Working that's awesome. now that you know. so there'll be a lot of little things that go off of it. He's brilliant, <laughs> and you can tell him I said so because I know he requested that you guys come see me soon, and I have not forgotten about his most sacred request to pilgrimage to Mama Laughingbrook's house because. I'm all about yes. that noise. How old mm-hmm. is he? Like, he's got to get him better. That's yeah, he's true. 13. He'll be, he'll be 14 in June. Okay, so, I'm hanging up now. So, <laughs> <gasps> I know. A lot, I, I feel like the last time you saw me was tiny. Oh my sweet boy! Oh, all the freckles. He's all grown up and hormonal now. I know. He's such he's that? such a good kid. He's, you know, he just barely ever gets an attitude. Uh, and when he does, like ten minutes later, he apologizes. I know it's different at his dad's house. I know, I know, he drives his stepmother crazy, and I just kind of chuckle at it. Um, Come on, but yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he's at the age where he realized what was happening, and it made him mad. So now he's like, nope, not gonna, not gonna take it anymore. So no, he gets to I, come I over it. a lot more than before so yeah i think his dad's kind of like please take him i'm okay with that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but he's not feeling well right now did we get some test results back for him or what's going on well so last saturday is when his stepmother started feeling sick but he was at my house um, okay. He had been there Saturday morning, and she hadn't she hadn't started feeling bad yet. Um, and then Saturday night, he came to my house for some. It was an off weekend. I'm not sure what happened, but he ended up coming for the night. And then we took him back on Sunday. And I think it was Wednesday. His stepmom it transitioned from like a stomach thing to like a cough thing. Um, so she went and got a test, and it came back positive. So Thursday, they called me to tell me his dad was feeling fine when I talked to them Thursday morning. Um, right. He took Mikey to get a test uh, um, Thursday afternoon, and by the time they got home, his dad was really sick. So Mikey kind of, like, 
quarantined himself to his room. We were waiting on the results so that, you know, if they were positive, we could go pick them up right away. Well, it took right. until Saturday night to get those back. So we went and got him, and he was feeling fine. He was feeling fine. And then about two days later, he started to feel like a, a little stuffy. But we had been having issues with the heat and air in our house. It was cold. Mm. So I, I figured, you know, it was just that. And then yesterday he had a fever and a cough. So he got another test today because the first test came back negative. Um, but that, you know, that doesn't shock me if he does have it. He wouldn't have really caught it until, you know, until he got the test, basically, like days, right. a day before. And it wouldn't have shown up positive then anyway. So right. he had a test today and we're going to see what it comes back as um, and then go from when there. I mean, his know? dad is feeling better. They said uh, two to three days. So it'll probably be, let's see, what's today, Friday? It'll probably be Monday before we know. It took a while for the last one to come back. So, but they're really well, overrun and don't the, right now. <clears throat> don't the rapid tests have like a 40 to 50% fail rate? Yeah, that's that's what I heard. So I don't mind waiting. Um, right. I'd rather get the actual results back than yeah. get something that may or may not be real, you know, not be true. Yeah. So and there's not a lot we can do. I gave him some Tylenol, and he's still, you know, he's he's not bad. You know, he's he's sleeping on right. the couch right now, kind of goes in waves. He was okay earlier. He has a sore throat and a, a, a cough. And yet, you know, his fever wasn't even that bad. It kind of fluctuates between 100 right. degrees and 101 degrees. And Tylenol kind of takes care of that. So I well, think he'll be fine. Good. I just don't want anybody good. else to get it, you know. How about not you? <laughs> I don't want you to get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, at this point, it's kind of like if he has it, I can almost be assured that in, you know, four or five days I might get sick. But then again, you know, I've been after having cancer three times and then I had sepsis in February, I was in the hospital for five days. I, uh, I've just kind of gotten used to just like kicking the shit out of whatever comes my way because I love, you I, I didn't so survive much. all that. For... <laughs> I love you too. You're my hero. We'll take it a day at a time. That's all we can do. Can't really do much else. Is it? Well, I was so, talking to, I was talking to Aaron, who we will introduce in more depth here in a second, but it's it's like I've, the past three years and all of my health craziness has completely robbed me of a date and time stamp on any of my thoughts because I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is like some crazy, whack-ass, drug-induced um, conceptual shit that I've been navigating that, of course, mm-hmm. being the daughter of Hecate, I'm really never supposed to know what time it is or where I am because <laughs> she wants me to navigate through my mm-hmm. life based on internal markers, not external markers and so when I found myself not able to distinguish between what is a memory and what is a visual plan in my head for something I have to do 
I can't tell the damn difference anymore because Mm -hmm. these images in my head are not automatically being sorted into the memory box versus the, Mm -hmm. okay, here sits my to-do list. So it's like, Mm -hmm. fuck it. It's all the same. Try doing it twice. That would be new. So I can never really tell if what I'm looking at in my internal view screen is factual, like historic, or whether it's something I still have yet to do. It's kind of Well, I think, uh, uh, honestly... Yeah. Go ahead. No. You go ahead. I think, you know, honestly, when I look at your situation and, and you know, obviously I haven't been able to be here as much as I'd like to be um, in, it, with your that. situation. But it, it, I think that, I think that number one, it's a natural thing um, because I am, I'm close to the same way uh, because you should see my desk. It's full of 10,000 lists because if I don't write it down, I can't remember if I did it. And I'm thinking yeah. about it, or if I if I didn't do it, and I need to do it. So I have to write everything down. And I think for you, because you know you've got this solitary confinement that you have to be in right now, on top of medications that you know some of them I'm very familiar with, and it, it just compounds that even more. And I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that. It, it, it kind of forces us to put more faith in, you know, in her, in, yeah. in moving with what we're supposed to be doing, not what we think we're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Which leads us to the unexpected topic of optometry. And that comment will make a whole bunch more sense <laughs> if I introduce Aaron, what do you mean it's going to make more sense? Because it's going to come out of your mouth, and you are more intelligent than I am when it comes to, like, visual issues and shit. Okay, so fun fact, I only have a couple really cool things about being um, a Hecatean with chronic illness. One of them is that I can't break bones. And we'll explain that in a second. Um, My vision is relatively good except for when I have brain swelling and can't see shit. So that's always fun. Um, And the other is I can't get cavities because the pH of my saliva um, just made cavities. So when it comes to vision issues, I have to ask the expert, which before Aaron moved in as beloved housemate was Neve. And getting spoken language out of Neve is like shopping for couches at Aldi's. It just doesn't happen. You can't, you can't do that. I'm so offended. Okay, so I'm busted now. Not so very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so 
I'm blushing off camera. Um, so back to Aaron, <laughs> what I was talking about. <laughs> so the three of us, dear listeners of Incantation Nation, Stephanie and myself, your beloved Incantress at Arabine Wood, and beloved housemate, Aaron Sovereign, and tell me that's not a boss level name. Um, each one of us comes with a different flavor of chronic illness slash infirmity, genetic disorder. Um, and Erin has sclerosis. So while she has been dealing with multiple sclerosis for the past forever million years, and we'll let her talk about that, She's only recently a dedicant, devotee of Hecate. And I thought this is really effing cool because the three of us have experienced struggling with, making peace with, navigating, you know, negotiating space with um, infirmity and suddenly how haute couture is that for folks that will suddenly find themselves with pre-existing conditions and how to navigate the sads and the angries that certain capacities are either gone or failing or, you know, feeling as though you are less than a perfect shade of yourself. Um, And I thought, you know what, that's really kind of important because people in our community are struggling and it's nigh impossible to find mental health professionals to help pagan kind and which kind um, to deal with huge hits like this and that, you know, in in lieu of certified, licensed mental health professionals, there is absolutely no reason why we can't talk to each other about what that feels like, even if it's simply to give pointers for days that are really fucking hard. Um to struggle through and I know that lived experience is pretty powerful stuff and that people generally don't want to hear advice from someone who has not lived the experience. It's like, don't talk to me about being the adult child of an alcoholic if your parents are happily married and neither one of them has knife wound scars on them, it's like, don't, I mean, that you're disqualified. Get the hell out of my face. But, so that, it only took me 40 minutes to get to the damn thesis of the show tonight, guys. Sorry. Um, but let's interrogate Erin a little bit. She's going to hold the phone now, and I'm going to shoot words at her brain hole. Hello. Hi, Erin. Hello. How are you, Erin? Hi, Erin. I'm doing okay. Hi. Erin, why don't you tell them how much you love being our housemate? 
I absolutely love it. Um, had I not met these wonderful people two years ago, a little over two years ago, I guess, um, last, I last year this time I was still living by myself. I had a condo in Charlotte, still living by myself. Decided in January of last year to sell it and move in here, and then COVID hits. So if I was still in my condo by myself, I would be quarantined by myself. So I am very, very grateful that I am here with this family that has now become my family. Yes. And Hader and I have the upstairs senior center, we call it. Yes. Um, And we are quarantined together, complete with arts and crafts. Yes, and movies. Yeah. Yeah. And cats. And a little mini fridge and microwave. <laughs> and what we're calling the sewing room. Yes, in the sewing room. In her closet, actually. But There's no closets in my home. <laughs> True. Right? <laughs> yes. We're all out of the closet. We're all out of the Oh, Brad was made it back. That's good to know. Hey, Brad. I, yes, hi, I'm here. <laughs> so why don't we, because Stephanie and I could speak ad nauseum. And we That's fine with me. I'm the silent, silent partner, remember? <laughs> the silent presence in the room. Yes. Um, to talk about MS, because people read my blatherings about Ehlers-Danlos all the time, and I'll probably mm-hmm. say more words about how fun two okay. weeks ago was. Yes. Um, yeah. No, it wasn't. I was there. <laughs> it yeah. was not fun. Aaron is my witness, but... Um, I don't know that people know the difference between muscular dystrophy <laughs> and multiple sclerosis. Yeah, they, they are two different things. <laughs> I, I have had that question before. Um, so explain. So multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disorder that affects the central nervous system. So my body basically attacks my nerves. There is a what they call a myelin sheath around every nerve and my body just chews that up and eats it away. And so the signal, the, thank you, that's the word, the signal to your brain just don't happen like they're supposed to. So whereas Hedera cannot break bones, I, <laughs> with my shit balance, thanks to MS, have broken two bones since I've been here, both arms. And I did not do that. No, she did not. Um but it was there were falls, and I've broken each arm and elbow and wrist multiple times because I fall, and of course you throw your arm out to stop yourself. Um, so that's one of the problems that can come with MS. I was diagnosed in 1998 when I was 22 years old. Aww. No, I'm 29 years old. I was 29 years old. That's 20 years. 22 years ago. ago, I was 29 years old. So yes, I'm old. Um, but it was a thing for you even before you were. Oh, I had had symptoms since I was in high school. Looking back now, I'm like, that's that was MS, and nobody could figure it out. Right. And then, but I was diagnosed at 29, and by the time I was 31, I was in a wheelchair. And I was in the wheelchair for three years. Now, was how like, hard did that long? It was bad, because I couldn't drive. I couldn't teach any longer. I was teaching second grade. I couldn't teach riding lessons. I couldn't ride my horse. Um I couldn't do anything. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything because it also affects your vision. Mm-hmm. And so I had nystagmus constantly. My eyes were bouncing and going back and forth constantly, and I couldn't and I couldn't read either. That was the problem because I'm a big reader. I couldn't read. I couldn't drive. It was pretty miserable for three years. I would imagine. Yeah. 
And so who was helpful to you during those times? I had some very good friends that were quite helpful that would come pick me up, um, take me to doctor's appointments and things, but they have their own families, their own things going on. So I spent a lot of time at home by myself. How the hell did you end up at Laughing Brook Spellcraft, being an ancestral (laughs) arts in Huntersville, North Carolina? Well, I got to tell you, the first time I met Hedera, now I... I'm out of the wheelchair now. I've been out of the wheelchair for years. I graduated from that to a walker, then to two crutches. Now I just use one forearm crutch for balance. She hits people. I do not hit people with it, but they call it my tripping stick around here. Mm-hmm. Um, I use that for balance. And and sometimes people. it helps, and sometimes I fall and break bones. But anyway, I walked into Laughing Brook the first time with my friend Stacy, and Hedera's sitting at that round table, and she looked me up and down, up and down a couple times, and she said, what is that, MS, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have MS. I'm like, how the fuck did she know that? I know everything. That was my introduction to Hedera. Yeah, way to make an end. And I kept coming back, though. I kept coming back for book club and um, different meetings and things you had there. And then you invited me to the Hecatasia in 2018. And how amazing was that? Blew my mind. It was life-changing. It truly was completely life-changing for me. Was it just my devastating good looks, or was <laughs> it was it the ritual outline, or was I think, it a combination of those? I think it was that, and it was it was mom. It was mom. It was mom. It was, it was Hecate. It was it was incredible, and it changed my life. And I haven't looked back since. It's just been. Like I said, I ended up selling my condo and moving in here. <laughs> so, so there must be something I liked about it. And you left your job. Oh, yeah. Yes, I left my job. Tell um, them about that. That's the shit. So I was at a tutoring center, and once COVID hit, we took about a month off, and then they decided to start doing Zoom classes with the kids. And Tell them what you do for a living. I did. I told them I was te- a teacher. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I said that before. But that's okay. I just, um, yeah, I'm just. And so we did Zoom lessons for a while, and that was going okay. It was hard because you don't have, you know, you're not one-on-one with the kids, and it's hard through a screen, but it was safe because quarantine. They can't cough on you. They can't. Although I watched them cough all over their papers. That's and disgusting. All their papers. I'm like, I'm so glad that's I'm not in the room disgusting. with them. But my boss sent out this email that just had all these racist dog whistles in it, and I was done. <laughs> I sent him an email that Ew. night and said, I quit. I'm done. I couldn't I, – I was been there for five and a half, almost six years, and I kind of knew they had some racist leanings. They would say stuff sometimes in class or, you know, whisper things to me, and I'm like, what the hell? Racist leanings. Leaning. That's my, that's my <laughs> new – Book title yeah. for studying, you know, what agility. <laughs> but but the email the email was so overtly racist that I I was done, and I sent them an email and I boxed up all my Zoom supplies that they had given me and I was done. She fired him. I fired them. So I'm like a fucking boss. And again, had I been in my condo living by myself, paying my mortgage, I would not have been able to do that. I couldn't have afforded to do that. Um, so now I I have my little disability pay because I've been on disability since 2000, yeah, 2000. Um, mm. 
I couldn't have done that if I had been by myself. So very grateful to be here. I'm grateful you're here. Thank you. Yeah, you don't have to be alone in quarantine either. No. And we get to play Rummy I'm Cube grateful. and Last Breath. Huh? Neve's grateful for you. I'm grateful oh, you're for sweet. you. I love you, Neve. I love so you, Erin. Um, Steffi and I could mm-hmm. speak ad nauseum. Fine with me. About mom. <laughs> yes. Um, but you have a, a, a newer, more recent awakening. Would you call it an awakening? That, what would yeah. you, how, how would you I, d- describe arriving at your relationship with the queen of witches? Well, it, like I said, it was the Hecatasia that you invited me to. And we had talked earlier today, too, before so since the 2016 election, of course, broke everybody. Yeah. And everyone was feeling. I am an introvert, capital I introvert. <laughs> and after the election, I actually came out to my family and everybody, which I had, had never done. I'd been in the closet. Queer closet or queer closet? Queer closet. Right. Um, I did that the day after the election and said, here's what your vote has done, you know, if you love me, then fuck you, because <laughs> if you voted for him, fuck that's, you. That's funny. That's my dating pickup line. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you love me, fuck you. Um, and so after that, this, this introvert started going places. I start, I went to mosques for, for rallies and in support when the Muslim ban came up. Yeah. I stood outside Tom Tillis's office with a large impeach sign with these people from Indivisible Charlotte. And I started of eggs to throw it in yeah. his yeah. office. I started doing these things, going to rallies, going to all these, you know, um, meetings and things like that, um, ACLU meetings. Um, but as I told you earlier, that was all for other people. I was doing that to help other people. But the Hecatesia, when you asked me to come to that, and I said, well, what what is it? What's going to happen? And you're like, just come. (laughs) Just come. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, I've been trying all these new things. This is something new. Let's do this. Yeah. So when I went in, I knew that Hedera always sat at the far end of the room in that purple chair. So I chose a spot on the other end where I could see the door and maybe escape. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. And I had my bag of crochet stuff because I got there early. So I was crocheting and um, in comes Hedera, looks at the bag next to me, sitting on the seat. She says, is this your bag? And I said, yes. She says, could you move it? (laughs) And she sat down right next to me. (laughs) There was no escaping for me that night. So I boxed you in. You boxed me in. Yeah, my, my route <laughs> of escape walked. That's right. But I was glad that you did because it was absolutely life-changing. I didn't know anyone but you there. I knew nobody else. Right. Um, Neve came in late. Yeah, um, she was working. She, she had worked and she came in late. <laughs> um, but it was an incredible experience. And I got home late, like 2 a.m., yeah. crawled into bed, and I could not stop crying. <laughs> And I started writing Hedera, and she was writing back to me. We were going back and forth in the middle of the night, and it happened. Probably till four. Four, yeah, probably. At least. And it was, it just, it changed everything for me. What do you think it was? 
it was mom. It was, it was the one thing I remember the most is you telling me, because I, okay, another backstory. I collect doorknobs and keys. I have collected doorknobs and keys for years. And she years. collects <laughs> keys. <laughs> and I've been doing that for years. And Hedera tells me that you need to know you are the key. You've been collecting all these keys, but you are the key. And that was that was it. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, she's right. And, yeah. A skeleton key. A skeleton key. Because you're tall and bony. <laughs> yes. Come on, that's funny. Your hands are bones, Aaron. My Your hands, hands are bones. That's what Johan tells me because my hands are thin and long. So what, how, what would you say your, or your relationship is between your physical maladies, your mm-hmm. MS, your chronic illness, mm-hmm. and your relationship with Hecate. What would what would that how would you describe that intersection of is it about endurance? Is it about transformation? Is it about finding yourself to be your solution, your own mm-hmm. key? I think it's all of those things. And I really credit her for putting me here in this place where I need to be right now because I would be alone in quarantine, probably starving because, you know, Neve, thank you for cooking for us. <laughs> Indeed. I love um, you. And going grocery shopping and all that, I wouldn't be able to do all that stuff. So I credit her. I love with, you. With me. I love you too. I credit her I for putting you. me in the, in the place where I needed to be, when I needed to be. Yeah? Yeah. I do. Why don't you talk about the optometry? What are you talking about, optometry? The fucking dreams about take your glasses <laughs> off. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> close the circle. Optometry. I brought it. I brought it full circle. So not only can MS fuck with your vision, I also have cataracts, glaucoma. <laughs> glaucoma and macular puckers in my eyes, which my eyes are totally screwed. Um, I've always been, I've been nearsighted. I've had glasses since I was in fifth grade. But I started having these dreams um, where a little friend of mine would tell me, take off your glasses and see what Hedera sees. See, See what Hedera sees in you. And I had this dream several different times. And so that's our thing now, take off your glasses. Because when you take your glasses off, what do you then have to do? I have to look inside. Is that disorienting at all? (laughs) (laughs) Only slightly. (laughs) Yeah. And what have you seen? That I am the key. That I am my own solution, my own, what's the word I'm looking for? I think solution is good. Yeah. That I can I can do what I need to do to take care of myself, and I have. So what have been some doors that you have unlocked with the 
polished brass key <laughs> of you? Um, what doors have you stepped through? What? Well, did I tell you that I sold my condo and I quit my job? <laughs> And I moved in here. Anyone else have fired my racist boss? Yes, I mean I did all these things which a few years ago I wouldn't have done. I kicked a bitch out of my house. Yes, you that did. That needed to go. Yes, you did. That outstayed her welcome. Um, yeah, yeah. These are not things that I would have done probably pre pre Hecatesia 2018. I know I would not have done these things. Why not? Because I didn't see myself as having any power. And do you now? I do now. Yes. Are you still mad about me putting you outside on the porch in the rain? Last week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> during, during this little storm we had here, she sent me outside to listen to the wind, and I came in and promptly got sick. <laughs> she cried for two days. I was nauseous. I was like, oh, that wind was saying too much stuff. <laughs> well, tell them. tell them. The first two times you went downstairs, and I said, what's it like outside? <laughs> it's windy. It feels like it might rain. <laughs> and I said, no, go back outside. And she goes, I don't know what you want from me. You sound like a perfect teenager. I said, go back outside, try again. And she came back upstairs. I stayed out there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and then she goes, I don't know It's Humid, I guess. <laughs> no, I said stop thinking <laughs> with your five senses and go back out there and stand there and listen with your whole body. Take off your glasses, basically. Is Take what off your saying. glasses. Take off your glasses. And what happened? And I felt all of it. Um, and that was a time I stayed out there about 20 minutes. And MS again, I can't close my eyes without falling down. So I had to lean on something. I couldn't stand in the middle of the yard and close my eyes because I would have fallen down. Um, I felt the anger in the wind. It was right before the election, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and things were just in turmoil. And I felt all of that in the wind. Yeah. And it made me nauseous. I came inside and had to lay on the floor. Yeah. And you cried. And I cried. You were reclaimed, to use the Yiddish. Yes. Was it, granted it was a rough exercise. Yes. But you had to take off the glasses. Mm-hmm. You had to unlearn, depending on your five senses. Yes that you're allotted mm-hmm. by the Muggleverse to truly become the listener with a capital L. Yes. Um, it's not a lesson you can learn any other way. Ex- oh, definitely not. Except to be stripped mm-hmm. of your dependence on, yes. you know, that type of sensory input. Mm-hmm. You know, are you still mad at me? No, I wasn't mad then. No. No. It was something I needed to do. <laughs> cool. We'll expect your essay at the end of this week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Mama, she's so more patient than your raised pagan kids. You know what? That's how I feel. I'm what? More patient? 
Yeah. Yeah. Erin is so like Erin is no, she's the good aunt. <laughs> yeah. I'm the bad mom. Exactly. Erin is the good aunt. Because well, when you're when you grow up pagan, because like when you kept going outside and you were like a human, I guess. But like as a as a raised pagan. Uh, when my mom says to go outside and feel the world, I'm just like, uh. <laughs> I mean, I know exactly what she says. I know what she yeah. means, and I know how to do it, like, as, like, an instinctual thing. It feels like breathing. I don't want to feel my feelings right now. I just want to wallow <laughs> in my pity. And see, the uh, difference is that for you, being raised pagan, you understand this expanded definition of listening with a capital L. Yeah. You know, yeah. where your 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 whole body is perceiving the world around you. And mm-hmm. but the deconstruction of muggle training and muggle structure mm-hmm. and muggle ways of seeing the world and these and even language like that limits what muggles can experience of their world because they don't, mm-hmm. there isn't another way to say it, so you have to get all mm-hmm. conceptual with it. And yeah. deconstructing, um, some, stripping them of those false constructs is, mm-hmm a necessary hurdle to jump so mm-hmm. that you can discover your paganness, your witchfulness, the full yeah. comprehensive scope of what you can do if you understand that the door does not exist, the lock does not exist, and that you are mm-hmm. indeed a he that can unlock everything. But Stephanie, I mm-hmm. wanted to to get from you how your relationship with Hecate and your dance with cancer has I guess evolved over time because we, we are certainly not who we were when we were 20, especially, you know, this many decades later and we have offspring now, how would you describe your relationship between you, Cancer, and Hecate? Is that a question for me? Because I I accidentally hung up on you guys and I just got back on. (laughs) Nice. Well, um, I guess now it's my turn to hang up, and you know, Aaron and Nevin can handle the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm ready. I'm ready in that in that uh, situation. I'm I'm ready. Uh, well, we know I, you are, but but I wanted to hear from Stephanie too, Nev. I'm just saying so, it's an option. Okay, thank you. So Welcome. for for me, I guess, I mean, I <laughs> cancer has been. A, a huge portion of my living life I, I've had it three times um, the first time was in my early 20s before I had Mikey um, mm-hmm. my life was different 
Um, and me, I've always been a very quiet pagan. <laughs> I've never been a, you know, uh, I guess, I don't know how to describe it. I guess the best way is, you know, I've never been too knowledgeable of rituals and all of that stuff that goes along with it just because I think because growing up it was a quiet thing for me. It was a hidden thing uh, because I grew up in a Christian family. And so I've always been very solitary and very to myself. Um, For me, my second time of having cancer was when I really, I guess, touched base with mom. (laughs) I like calling her mom now. I'm going to call her mom from now on. yeah, because it was uh, an an opening. It was an eye-opening experience on many levels. Mostly because I felt, even though I was married, I was married to Jason at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I was always on my own. Um, everything was on my shoulders. I, I was a very, you know, I I was in charge of everything in our lives, and and it was a lot of weight. And I had no one really to bend that toward. So. Um, I got, let's see, I had a surgery during that time period, and it was not cancer-related. I had my uh, gallbladder removed, and Mm -hmm. I stopped breathing, and I didn't have a heartbeat, and I was like, but the only thing I could remember was walking along a path um, with, like, all these beautiful purple flowers everywhere, and she was there and made me feel okay. Um, but then made me realize, like, it's, I'm not done yet. Like, don't right. give up just yet. Um, right. And because I, I think I was tired at that point. And then I, you know, and then I can remember hearing voices, like, around me and things like that. And and then mm-hmm. I came back to it. And I, and the thing that strengthened my relationship the most with her was not, for me personally, was not, she's putting me in these places or I'm in these places because of her. It was more, I'm not alone in these places. Right. Um, I have to make my choices and I can ask her and she'll answer me if she thinks it's right. You know, she thinks if she thinks I need to know what she thinks, but otherwise she's just going to stand there behind me as I make my choices. And if I fall, then I fall, but I'm not alone in it. And that was a really like the changing point for me, not feeling alone in the world through everything. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it's always been for me because I, I have an ADHD and I also have PTSD. So I suffer from like anxiety and things like that. And yeah. that I have become more self-sufficient and more able to work through those moments because in those moments, anybody who has it knows that no matter how many people are around you, it's you and your anxiety, that's all it is. That's all you can see. And right. I no longer feel like it's just me and my anxiety. Um, and that kind of pushes me through. Um, and knowing that, you know, along this course of life, death is not a finality in my mind. Death is another road. Um, and knowing that I won't be alone in that too when the day comes makes it a lot easier for has made it a lot easier for me to maneuver through illness, um, remembering what I remembered from that moment and understanding that when it does come, it's not, it's not the scary thing that everybody, you know, that people fear that, you know, right. 
they make death out to be this fearful thing. Um, it's do you feel because you're not like, alone? Do you feel like the muggle projection onto us as like I don't want to script the answer, but it, it, the fear of death being such a strong muggle aversion. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's overlaid on top as like this control mechanism. Mm-hmm. And what oh, I completely take- agree. Yeah. Like, um, I think that, so I think there's a lot, a lot of that goes back to um, faith in general. If you look at uh, sectors of faith in general and um, hold on one second. Thank you. And, um, and the different, if you look at the different religions um, and how they approach death as like, okay, it's going to come, but if you do this, if you do this and you do this, then death won't be bad. But if you do this and you do this and you do this, then death will be horrible. And that has always been an enormous control over the people. Um, And just putting that fear in someone's mind, whether it's watching a television show where you watch somebody die a horrific death or you followed a religion, even if you don't follow that religion now, you have that idea in your mind of the place after death, and that's scary to you. So it's kind of like right. it, it maneuvers people's actions in life because they think there's some sort of reward for doing what society believes to be the correct choice, basically. Right. So what would you what would you share with the legions of pagans and witches who have either had COVID or are facing COVID or live in fear of coronavirus either taking them or a loved one, how could we three um, who sit with mortality as a, you know, a constant companion at tea, um, what can we offer muggles? Um, no, well, I, maybe, maybe muggles, but what can we offer witches and pagans and practitioners who right now are, you know, surviving this winter of discontent and or are already mourning lost loved ones? Like how can our relationships with Hecate and mortality be beneficial to a larger, our larger community of people? Well, um, I think for me, I think, I think in, in some ways all three of us will have different answers that are relatively close together because I think it really depends on your relationship with you know like you know with Hecate or with whoever your you know your your mother father you know whoever you follow it depends on your relationship with them and how you perceive them in your life but I think that from my perspective I would say that it's a it's a understanding that grief is okay 
there's nothing wrong with it. There's there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to pull back from. That um, emotions are part of our human selves, you know, and they're meant to be felt because many times through emotion you come to a more uh, a deeper understanding of who you are and where you are in your life and in your spiritual path and in your things along the way. Um, and those that are fearful, I would say, you know, talk, whether it's talk to her, talk to somebody in the community, talk about those fears because sometimes fears are in our minds and we hold them so close to us and right. we don't talk about them because we don't want to seem weak or, or you know, incapable of handling those things. But in the reality, we all have those fears. And sometimes just getting them out um, yeah. will make you feel better. And then listening to, you know, other people who have the same fears. There's, there's a huge village of, and there's no reason to feel that you have to be alone in it because you're not. I mean, I can promise whoever's listening, no matter what fear they have, there is somebody out there listening who has a similar fear and that you can work through those things together and bring it in, you know, with your, with your connection. How do you feel a relationship with Hecate during this COVID chapter is different, not more or less suited to the moment, but how do you feel like a liminal, transformational goddess is uniquely suited to chapters like this? Mm-hmm. If that question makes sense. How do I? How do I feel that she is? Yeah, or I mean, being that she utterly destroys compartments <laughs> and <laughs> boxes and categories. Mm-hmm. She enjoys a very lean natured relationship with this chaos. Or is it chaos? Because chaos sounds scary. It has a connotation of um, fear and unpredictability and yeah, loss of control. How do you how do you feel like this? She may be the perfect deity mm-hmm. to have that conversation with. I, I well, I absolutely think that she would be because I I think that we each individually feel. Um, you know, on a daily basis sitting here looking out that it's chaos because we feel out of control um, and we feel uh, lost. But in the grand scheme, if you look at it from an outside perspective, it's perfectly controlled, I think, in a a way that is suited for not us. Um, It's suited for the people who uh, in this world can – benefit from uh, something like COVID. Um, 
there's I, I, I refuse to accept the idea that there's no way we could just squash this um, because there are many ways that there are, in life there are other things that people find more important to them than other people's lives. And something that you said before this, it, it's my husband said to me before, it's it's almost impossible for someone to think about somebody that they've never met in a place they've never been and not only that, but to have emotion or empathy or sympathy or caring for them. And I think with your relationship with Hecate, you can, because she's, she thrives in these experiences. These are, these are what she manifests. This is what she is controlling, uh, can control, she's used to. Mm-hmm. And because we feel so out of control, we can find that steadiness in her mm-hmm. guidance or you know, presence or whatever it is. You know, even if you speak to her, you can feel her there, but she doesn't speak back to you. You know, even right. in those in control, there is a there is a person or a goddess in our lives that it does feel in control, regardless of what chaos we feel. Um, yeah. So it can ground you um, and make you feel, okay, maybe this isn't spinning as wildly out of control as I thought it was to begin with. Yeah that she is the order to mm-hmm. what the Muggleverse would understand to be chaos. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not chaos at all. It is the, the third state. It is the plasma. You know, we're taught that there's mm-hmm. solids, liquids, and gases. No, 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 no. There's another state and it is mm-hmm. dynamic and flowing and it's it's fluid and it's yeah. plasmic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Erin, what yeah, is it's it? not black and white, it's not a box. It's it's really it's really not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the you know, if one percent is pure black and one percent is pure white, then that other ninety eight percent is Hecate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Erin, what, how do you, how do you see Hecate being appropriate for these chapters? As someone who is freshly Hecatean, um, where do you, because your eyes are newer on this than I love this whole visual sensory thing. We just keep picking up as a theme because we're lacking language. Um, how do you feel like she is best or better suited for this chapter of our becoming than perhaps some other more, I don't want to say concrete gods and goddesses because that's, that's not the right language, mm-hmm. you know, but her providence is liminalis. How do you feel like she has, you have enlisted her aid as an ally at just the right time? The one word that keeps, and as I was listening to Stephanie as well, the only word that comes up to my head is trust. We have to trust that what is happening will somehow work its way out, and it will. It always does. Um, 
I wish I had known about her back in 1998 when I was first diagnosed because I was in utter turmoil, having to quit my job teaching and give up my car and all that stuff. It was it was hard, and I wish I'd had. I wish I had had mom then, mm-hmm. so that I, I would have known that, and I would have been able to trust that this is going to work out. That's the only word I can come up with is trust. So she's your ace in the hole. So that no matter how it turns out, it's how it's supposed to be. Because it is what she has planned for us. How do you think this would be going for folks who may be pagan or witchcraftian, but don't work with her or generally find themselves working with other deities or others or elementals, would you recommend her? Oh, absolutely. Four out of five pagans. <laughs> I highly recommend <laughs> Hecate. <laughs> yeah. top, top of my list, yes. Yeah. yeah. So what is your relationship with her look like? or sound like, only because um, there are still many practitioners that believe, okay, I've lit the candles, I've offered the incense, now what? Do you feel like there is a a way that you're expected to do this, or? No, definitely not. It's different for everybody. Explain. Explain yourself. I always explain myself. <clears throat> I think there are as many right ways to do this as there are pagans. Mm-hmm. How you? Well, that's been our show for tonight, <laughs> folks. We're just gonna. <laughs> I mean, it's different for everybody. For me, I light a candle. I, in fact, this afternoon, I lit a candle. I lit some incense. I sat in front of my altar and I got very quiet. And I just asked her what I needed to ask. Does she answer you? Sometimes. Other times, it's the middle of the night and there's a glow around my door. <laughs> and I know it's her. <laughs> like my door was glowing again last night. Knock, knock. So yeah, I think it's different for everybody. I don't. There is no one. It's not cookie cutter. No. It can't be. Why can't it be? Because we're not cookie cutter. That's right. I mean, damn. And can I, can I just add one thing to that? No, please do. Um, please. I think that it's important, especially for for people that are new to it, uh, to to it, to her, um, to paganism. Period. To understand that it's not it's not always um, a glow around your door. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not always right. Like, like in your face, like you know, she's standing there before you and it's out of this world. Like some people go their whole lives and it's a voice in their head. You know, it's a crow at their window. It's, um, you know, the butterflies that follow them everywhere. It's, you know, it's things that, that they can feel and it's not necessarily going to be what they picture it to be because the movies portray it some way or because someone else has another experience that is in their eyes more, magical you know like it's it's 
you could go your whole life and not have one of those types of experiences and that's okay. You know, like yeah. that is perfectly fine. And sometimes it's a Matt Damon movie. <laughs> oh, God. I know that's stupid, but Neve. I'm rolling my that's... eyes. I knew you were rolling your eyes. See, I could feel it. I could feel it up here on the second floor of the house. I'm on the second so, floor as well. I'm closer than you think. Well, and you, Nev, do you want to explain the Matt Damon movie? Because I think your perspective in the retelling is so much more dramatic and enthralling than my own. And then we can talk about your experience with chronic illness and being the granddaughter of Hecate, um, what your experience has been um, of her, with her, mm-hmm. as both, you know, my child, but also your own witch. You are your own mm-hmm. being. So you want to talk about Matt Damon? So, like, uh Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good answer. Um, okay, so, I mean, I guess this is just because we're talking about Hecate. I don't remember um, why we were there. I don't remember what day we were there. I don't know what month we were there. Um, but you and I decided to go to this hellish place called Burkdale Village. <laughs> and we went and I don't even know if we ate anything before that. It's just like the event. And I think that, I think that your magical uh, phenomenon that happened to you just like would have blacked out my record. Like just remembering that it was even in Matt Damon. Movie. I, I, I probably wouldn't remember that if you just would stop bringing it up. Um, but we decided to go to the movies and um and there was some other movie that I wanted to see and you're like, No, let's see uh The Great Wall or whatever the Matt Damon <laughs> movie was called. And I was like, Why do you wanna see this like C minus movie when we could easily watch whatever A minus movie was also playing at the time? And you were you you would not be moved. And you were like, I'm gonna see this shitty movie. It's going to be great. And I was like, I don't fucking want to. Shitty movie. And it was just as shitty as you'd think it'd be. But if anybody wants to get drunk and see a watch and like watch a shitty movie, the Matt Damon, The Great Wall or whatever it's called, fucking great time. Great anyway. time. Anyway, uh, a white man saves the day in ancient China. It's great. Oh anyway, it's great. Uh, Willem Dafoe's in it. It's great. Um, so anyway. we leave this. So we leave this movie theater, and you know how when you leave a midday matinee at a movie theater, like there's something already liminal about it, even for people who aren't pagan, and even for people who aren't de- uh, devoted or have some kind of relationship with Hecate. So you leave the movie theater, and you don't even know who you are as a person let alone what your job, like, you don't know what your purpose is in life. And so we move this, we leave this movie theater, and Mom has this existential uh, reaction to seeing the, uh, over like, overcast sky, and it hits her like a 40-mile-an-hour car crash, and I'm just like, what's wrong? 
so she starts crying, and I'm just, like, freaking out outside of this goddamn movie theater. <laughs> and, like, after seeing this shitty Matt Dame movie, and I'm just like, what's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. And I'm, like, gripping her by the shoulders and, like, smushing her face because she won't talk to me, and she's in tears, hyperventilating. And then she goes, Mom, I, I have a name. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I lost my shit because here she is having this moment. And she didn't even bother to be like, Neve, it's okay. I'm all right. I'm not having some kind of medical crisis. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I was just pissed. And then so on the way home after I've calmed down, so what did you learn? Um, and she, so she told me about her beautiful, magical name, and then she, uh, like, threw some kind of event party excuse at the shop, and it was beautiful, and people were very moved, and the whole time I was still pissed. I don't know. (laughs) Um, um, yeah, so to this day, I still um, introduce her as the Lady uh, Laughingbrook or the Lady Hedera Bindwood or whatever name uh, suits the moment. I haven't called her, like, Gabriella in, like, years. And the people that call her Gabriella, I'm like, no, 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 who are you? Yeah, that's completely <laughs> who wrong. Are you? Who, who are you? What do you know me from? Right. Um. So, yeah, it was. And it was beautiful, and I think that a lot of people are, I think what that, like, kind of just proves about just being a pagan in general is that, like, shit's not going to come to you as a glowing door and a voice in your ear sometimes. Sometimes it's going to come to you in the form of a shitty Matt Damon movie. And Wow. So Aaron like, gets the glowing door, and I get Yeah, cooking. Aaron gets the glowing door. Aaron just glowing doors and collecting keys and being the eyes to the chosen How one or whatever the fuck. And then yeah. I get a I get a heart attack outside of a shitty Matt Damon movie. I mean, who doesn't want so, that? You know, it's great. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was an experience. By Ang Lee. I just appreciated the cinematography. Okay. I don't know if you did. I think that you just have, you have a, no, this is just, it wasn't just about the movie. Uh, You, my entire life has subjected us to like C, C minus movies because there's something redeeming about it. And I don't know what it is. You know what? Maybe I just (laughs) see more in these moments. Okay. I think that's the public school teacher in you. You know what? Shut up. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, sorry, your experience really counts. Anyway, okay. to okay. my own, the point was, is that Aaron and you and Stephanie and probably Bradwick too are all correct that Hecate arrives at you much the same way COVID does. <laughs> You're never really sure from what angle shit's going to show up. And it's not going to look like what you're told or not told by anyone who has had it or seen it before. Um, It's not always going to show up when you are awakening from surgery under anesthesia 
and there she is standing bedside with some beautiful, luminous, billowing grandeur. It's not always like that. And there's no preparing for it. There's no language that can be used to describe how to prepare or how to, you know, reconcile it with your soul and your you know, what muggles tell you your senses are, because it never goes that way. And the fact that you can get the glowing doorway on some occasions and then others, you can be walking out of a shitty, you know, shitty matinee with your child and be gut punched when right in the middle of the damn lobby, Hecate appears behind you when you turn and she's handing you your name because I had been shopping for um, a sacred name. I mean, legally, my name is Gabriella Laffingbrook, but she named me Hedera like the ivy, Hedera helix. It's a survivalist. It is evergreen. It is the strongest plant-made rope in the botanical world. It is the devil's lettuce. Oh, no, wait, that's something else. But the, the fact is she handed me my name as though it were an elvish blade remade, you know, and I didn't expect it. And I was dumbfounded. And it didn't matter where I was. It didn't, it didn't matter that we had seen a movie you hated. Um, what mattered was that everything about that moment was atypical. It was an overcast (laughs) afternoon, which made the sun look like the moon in the sky. It was like 1 p.m., but it felt like twilight. We weren't in the movie theater, but we weren't outside yet. I mean, everything about it was liminalis. And that's when she chooses the moment. I didn't get to choose. I didn't get to pick context. That's just simply not how existence works. And so it is futile to try to set up the perfect scenario. Yes, you can have the incense going. You can have your candles carved and lit. You can have everything perfect, but do not expect that because of that effort in that she must now respond with showing up. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not how she do. Um, and she bequeathed me my name. And it was a profound moment of humility because, I was reminded yet again that this is not compartmentalized. Nothing is. Time is a construct. 
Location is a construct. Ritual is itself a construct. So who's in charge? The, the entity who seeks to have leadership in that moment. Sometimes it will be us. Sometimes it will be another. If we allow for this endless like kaleidoscope of possibilities, we're better off because the shock value of these epiphanies is most poignantly felt when you have done away with the boxes, when you have done away with the compartments and just you allow for things to evolve and manifest and fade and return as they will. And you are in true possession of your witchcraft when you are prepared, not for set circumstances, but for the unpredictability of epiphany and gnosis and magic and witchcraft. And once you understand that, then it is all the easier to dissolve yourself into the everything with a capital E, blend with the magic, and then braid it back together the way that you would like it to go. It's called agency. That is called magic. And yes, we have been thrown a huge curveball by this, you know, persistent virus who has equal claim to survival as we do, and that this is us figuring it out. And to be kind and to be compassionate with ourselves, not just each other, but with ourselves. No one's in control here, but we can practice agency and we can, you know, think outside of the win or fail illusion. It doesn't have to be that way. And if we are together as people and fire our bosses, sell off our condos and move in together, the better off we will be. You know what I'm saying? The better off we will be. And, Stephanie's correct. Aaron's correct. You are correct. When we are together, some of us can crumble while others of us catch. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Fair enough. Before I um, uh, do our invocation, to our beautiful matriarch and matron, Hecate. Um, 
I guess I wanted to give each one of you a couple minutes to summarize and or give um, email links or contact information or ways that folk can get into contact with us. And then I'll read the invocation and then we will motor on to the rest of our evening. Erin, you want to start? Good. Erin gets to start. <laughs> I, I did want to add one thing about the ways that texting shows up. Um, sometimes it is in a person that she sends to you. And she has not shared the story with you, but she did, Hecate did send some amazing women to Hedera in the hospital two weeks ago. It was incredibly moving, and I'm sure she will share that story eventually, but sometimes she shows herself in people that cross your path. There you go. You can pass it to Nevi or oh. Stephanie. Okay, Neve or, or Stephanie, who wants to go next? Uh, Stephanie can go. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> my, uh, I guess my closing thoughts would be just be, um, be patient with yourself. Um, mm. Understand that emotions are allowed, no matter what they are. You don't have to. Yeah justify them to anyone even yourself and um, look to you know mother to understand things better even if there is it's not instantaneous understanding um, sometimes it unfolds over time Um, but try to have that that let go a little bit I guess you could say it's hard but um, yeah. and trust in her. Um, yeah. As far as getting a hold of me, um, I am on Facebook, uh, Stephanie Klein, and you can contact me at any time. You might have to message me first, and then uh, because my Facebook is like locked down, sealed tight, private. But um, I'm always there to talk. So, yes. Oh, beautiful. And I hope Mikey feels better, sweet pea. Thank you. I'm sure he will. He's a tough kid. Tell him that I love him very much. I will. Please, thank you. Bradwick, you got words? Um, I, yeah, I got words. I got words. Um, <clears throat> as a <laughs> um, as a bit of a noob uh, to the pagan scene here, and, you know, I say that it, it's been several years, but it's still new nonetheless. I wish you um, could fucking say it then. Oh my God! Anyway, <laughs> oh, oh, she's so abrasive. Um, I know she's a bit much, isn't she? <laughs> no, I, I have, I've enjoyed hearing you all talk about Hecate this evening, and it, it's, I hope that our listeners are going to do what I'm going to do and take everything I've heard this evening and and really kind of sit with it and digest it, um, because for me. In my practice, you know, I do work with Persephone, who has a connection to Hecate, and and I did start my craft with Persephone, and I I brought in 
start well, I started trying to work with the meter and then it it was brought to my attention like, ooh, okay, I should probably, you know, <laughs> talk to Hecate and <laughs> it's all <laughs> and um but all of this talk this evening is just kind of bringing some things up for me, uh, personally and, and questioning, you know, oh, have I actually had dealings with Hecate? Have I met her and I just not noticed it? And and how can I work on that myself? How can I look for her? How can I make sure that I'm ready mm-hmm. to receive in a sense? You know, so mm-hmm. I think that's something I'm going to work on myself. Well, and building that sensitivity takes time. I mean, you're using a a a sense that heretofore has been squashed or repressed or told you didn't see what you saw, you didn't hear what you heard. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So it takes, and like I said, be patient and compassionate with yourself um, about building that sensitivity. It's not, you're not immediately going to be able to fly. You know, it, it, it takes time to unlearn gravity. And that's pretty much what it is to go from a muggle structured way of operating in the world to being fully your own witch and it it requires taking off your glasses it requires letting go of gravity as an absolute truth it's not not what you feel and what you know with a capital K sometimes arrives at you in a way that is least expected and to be patient with that process. And if you don't get the results you want straight out of the gate, just be prepared. Uh, go by the Great Wall with Matt Damon in it and pop that in. See if that doesn't work. Uh, I'm kidding. Or at I'm least kidding. watch a better Matt Damon movie like The Martian. <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> yes, we are anyway. going to move into the incantation portion hey, of... I didn't get a chance to say anything. Damn it, I thought we would squeak by. All right, you got 120 like seconds. Fourth time, this is like the fourth time this has happened. We're like, okay, we're going to move on. No. Anyway. Um, Sorry, I slipped. Yeah, okay. Um... I mean, I think that I, I mean, I would like to have like a little bit more time to talk about my relationship with Hecate just because, um, just so I could get more into depth because I am not a devotee of hers, and but I have grown up with her in my house and I have had uh, many conversations um, with her throughout the years and I do have um, an oath that I have made um, with her, like a deal, a contract that I have made with her, but, um, I am not, I, I don't belong to her and I'm not somebody, and I would love to talk about this on a, 
uh, on an episode solely about devotion, not specifically yeah. to Hecate, but yeah. I'm I'm someone who cannot and will not uh, devote to any singular deity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still do have a relationship with her that I would like to talk about at a, at a later date. Um, so, I mean, I guess what I would just end up saying is that there is a way to be, there, there is, and in many cases, most pagans are, a lot of pagans are, you don't have to be devoted to a singular person, a singular uh, identity and deity Mm-hmm. Um, to have a valid experience as a pagan and to have a working knowledge and relationship with a deity. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do know her intimately, um, mm-hmm. but I am I'm not devoted to her the same way mm-hmm. I work with, but I'm not devoted to the horned one. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, the same way that I like the 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 list goes on the people and the uh, creatures and the deities that I am in relate in conversation with have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, there there's 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 so many ways to experience being a pagan, just as there's so many ways to experience being yourself, and yeah. that. Yeah, being yourself and being a pagan is not going to look the same as other people. And so, right. I mean, my my advice is just going to be, if it feels comfortable, explore why it feels comfortable and then compound the experience. Make Make that happen for yourself. And if being comfortable means challenging yourself, then do it. I love you. Oh, you're so impressive, Veve. Oh. Well, I guess now, now's a now's a now's a good time to tell you that I am actually designing a show where no, you are in charge, <laughs> and so is Johan. And if we can borrow Mikey, Steph, mm. we could potentially have a pagan babies show whether you're 22 or 7 because um, I think they need their own episode and I think mm-hmm. your voices are important and your experiences are important so I think that Brad, I think Brad should moderate that one. Oh my uh, god that sounds just, like so much <laughs> no 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 listen listen hear me out hear me out hear me out hear me out I, I think no, that him, we should have hear you on some other time I want to close <laughs> the show no. no. Anyway, Brad, Brad should me. do it. Brad should no. do it because he'll know what he'll know what questions to ask. I'm so just say yes. Uh, yes. Um, okay, also, perfect. It's time for the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do we the still have nine minutes to talk about now. All right, everybody. Shoot. Okay, okay, okay. Bye. Okay. Sniff and blow. Here we go. Hecate, most honored one, most distant, Thracian goddess of the moon, the dark hours, the underworld, 
maiden, matron, and crone, the first witch, queen of spirits, snake goddess, liberator of souls, primordial enchantress, guardian of the dead and dying, the seeking and the lost, daughter of night, daughter of stars, brilliant in power and knowing, bringer of change, deliverer from ignorance and slavery, ageless goddess, free of time, faceless goddess, free of form, timeless goddess, free of beginning or end, wandering goddess, free of boundaries and other false constructs, accompanied by your eternal hounds, carrier of the two torches, wisdom and epiphany, holder of the sacred dagger, used to flay illusion from truth, bearer of the sacred keys to the gates and doors in between Fear and power, confusion and revelation, dormancy and becoming. On this night, in a place between places, at a time between ages, and in the presence of your awesome grace, your incontestable sovereignty, and your fierce beauty, We, your assembled children, honor you and your providence in our being. Bid us see your stealth and ferocity as the huntress of knowledge and magic. Show us now the secrets of innumerable transformations, the dark spells of the dead and dying, and make steady our steps on the descent into pure knowing. Beautiful, fearsome, great mother, midwife to our births as witches and rebirths as priests and priestesses of your past. Daughters and sons, children of your temple, we implore you, mother, lead us in our pursuits of your beloved arts, your dark magics, your prophecy and divination, your incantations and will workings, your consecration of tool and talisman, your leadership of rites and ritual. For we humbly seek to serve in your most sacred work of transition and change. Mother of witches, guardian at the crossroads, in the holy dark of your moon, in the name of your reverence, let my sisters and brothers and the tools and bonds we bear be consecrated and made sacred. I, Hedera Bindwood, your daughter, in both name and deed, conscious of you in every act of service, in every thought of love, in 
every moment of magic and will. Do persist and move through the world in your name. We are grateful and beholden to you, great queen, for stirring within us your mysteries. Hail Hecate Enodia. Hail Hecate Chthonia. Hail Hecate Antea. Hail Hecate Soteda. Written for my queen, November 16th, 2015. Bradwick, take us to bed.
Oh, hello, nation. Uh, surprise, we're still here. Um, this is Bradwick here, still with Hadera, Neve, Aaron, and Stephanie. I had a couple questions. Hey. And hi. <laughs> yeah, I have hello. a couple questions. And I know that if right. I have questions, I think there might be listeners that have questions. So you think so? Thank you guys. This for is cool. This is our th- first on-air Q and A. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is cool. All right, all right. Watch us get well, a, so watch us get a vicious troll from like some like. <laughs> never mind. Go ahead. Doing it. troll. <laughs> all right. Well, so we've done a lot of talking about Hecate this evening, and we you know, mentioned that. Uh, we were we're talking about Hecatesia, but I and, and we've mentioned your marriage to Hecate. But oh yes, we did. I don't, I don't know if we've actually talked about what prompted you to go through with that marriage. Oh. So I want to <laughs> ask you, what prompted that? Huh. <laughs> well, wow. Yeah, I didn't expect that that question to come. Well, it was it was the realization that my priorities were not in the right place, and that my health, um, spiritual, physical, and otherwise. Um, had suffered because I had not paid strict enough attention to my own needs, my own magic, um, my own identity and well-being um, as a witch. And I had been in uh, regular conversation um, with Two very good friends of mine, Seamus and Corby, who get a big shout out because they did play a part in this um, because I had been devoted to Hecate for years. Um, She's kind of the headmistress of my school of thought, and I study um, with different deities almost like an apprenticeship, like a skill set. I go study, you know, with different deities and I'm with them and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I realized that I had put the needs of abusive relationships in front of my own health. And you know, following my divorce, my second divorce, I decided that being married to humans, like mortals, was not the right relationship for me. Um, And that, you know, I had been studying my Scandinavian roots and my Germanic um, pantheons and you know, forming relationships and especially oracular studies and and being a seer and 
how to manage the heavy weight of visions and stuff. And I realized I, I went the furthest off path when I ignored what I needed. And that what I needed to do was marry my own magic. I needed to marry myself. I needed to marry who I am and my needs and not put everything else um, in front of what I needed. It was just the vestiges of, you know, internalized misogyny and acceptance of the yoke of being a woman. And I had a conversation um, with Seamus and Corby, and I said, I, I'm going to shave my head. And Corby said, what? No, you can't. And I said, why can't I? He said, because you know that that means that you are signifying to the kindred, to the group, um, that you have committed adultery. And I said, but I have. And he said, what do you mean? Who did you cheat with? I said, I cheated on myself. I put everyone else before my commitment to me. And the, like, I'm getting goosebumps just even recalling the conversation because at that point, my hair was past my waist, very purple, luxurious pagan mane, and unbeknownst to probably 75% of the people at my hand fasting to the moon and my magic, I shaved my head as part of the ritual. And I gave the gift of my hair to the moon, to my magic, as our wedding gift. And one of the vows I took was to make that sacrifice of vanity and beauty to my magic, who had always deserved the most beautiful parts of me. And, you know, when Johan, who used to relish my long hair, saw that I had cut it off and given it as offering to the moon, he was the only one who did not bat a lash because he agreed, because he is likewise in love with the moon and his other Grammy, which is his name for Hecate, and has been her name since he was probably two. Um, And he understood that month after month, twice a month at least, I make that sacrifice to her, to magic itself, and to my commitment to me. So what prompted it was the realization that I had 
gone off the tracks because I put something before my own health, before my own magic, my own identity. And I was no longer willing to do that anymore. And holy shit has my magic just gone through the fucking roof. And it's amazing when you invest in your relationships with yourself what can truly be yielded from that sun fasting or moon fasting. Magic fasting? Yeah. That's yeah, so that's, that's beautiful. And that actually leads into my next question was, you know, how have things changed since since then? Well, that's very intimate. Next, you're going to ask me what side of the bed the moon sleeps on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, ironically, so the hand fasting was on um, the Hecatesia is November 16th every year. And so I just had my one-year anniversary with my magic in the moon and Hecate. And wow, has it been pretty much an immersion course of study because not too long thereafter um, did we all find ourselves in quarantine. So, I mean, literally it's like going into seminary and becoming a full-time priestess at a temple for Hecate because it's, I am with my magic all the time. And at times it's been at a breakneck speed um, because I don't know what day of the week it is. I don't know what time of day it is. And it's, it's quite a different way to organize and order my life when I'm not using clocks calendars anymore you have to listen more closely to what I'm calling the series of now because I've been stripped of my time and date stamp on thoughts and imagery in my head and so I can't use those now as mile markers you know what I mean so I have to go internally and listen to what is the right and just and appropriate thing for now, for right now, for right now, what needs to happen. And it's amazing how less overwhelming life is when you are not cluttering your to-do list with shit you're not even needing to worry about for months or something that you've already done weeks and weeks ago, just, you know, we become overwhelmed when we include things in the picture that are not relevant to the moment. And so it's been a really interesting socio-psychological experiment of what is priority and what is important and pulling away these other methods of measurement 
you are truly left with this primal animalistic listening um, and tuning into the everything because there's the you that's within and then there's the you that's without that you can blend and dissolve and merge with the everything to ascertain what is true and applicable for that moment. So a lot of it has changed. What's going to be really interesting is when I try to like mix with muggles and try to have have a, a, a muggle conversation. It's, 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 going to be interesting and there's probably going to be footage I'm just thinking <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well how would you how would you say your your marriage is different than being a devotee huh I came out with the hard ones tonight, didn't I? <laughs> no, it's a good question. I really like it because there is a difference. As as a devotee, and I'm sure um, Stephanie's answer will be interesting to hear as well, um, because when you're a devotee, there is a commitment to... I guess the traditional sense of priestessing for a deity or a god or a goddess. Um, I mean, I used to tell people, you know, villagers at the shop all the time that, you know, cannot give me all this credit. This is, this is, our house, this is their altar. I mean, it's not my community altar, it's their community altar. And I would explain myself by saying, I'm just the priestess that sweeps the steps of the temple. I am in service to my queen. And I make offerings. And if she throws me a kind word once and again, I am ever so grateful and probably cry for six days. But in a mar- and let's be clear about this. I I am the wife to magic and the moon. <laughs> They're not my wife. <laughs> it's like they <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They are the the central pillar and I am the wife to those. Does that make sense? So it's it's got a different, I guess, saturation level, a different level of engagement. It's much more intimate. It is not simply caretaking and sweeping the temple steps. It's I'm able to know more. It's more... I guess saturated is the right word. It's it's like being dunked in the river sticks. You know? It's it's way more intimate. And I am 
I don't want to say allowed to know more, but I get further now, and I can't help but believe that it's because I have made vows and pledges that I follow through with daily. I don't know. You get, you know, you got to pay to play. <laughs> so that's what I'm Stephanie, doing. What are, Stephanie, what are your thoughts? Um, for me, it's, it's different. I, I guess because for me, it happened so long ago. I was a teenager. Um, from, mm-hmm. so from the time I was, um, old enough to, old enough for me to remember, I, you know, I had visions, and and they sometimes frightened me because I was a child. So yep. it was, it started as take my hand because you don't have to be afraid. Um, and that kind of all goes back to the whole fear of death thing because most of my visions are about death. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of evolved into without much thought um my i guess you call marriage um you know my personal mm-hmm. like i said i'm a very solitary um person i very kind of do, do things my own way i guess um mm-hmm. and you know i had my small little ritual in my little place in the fruit trees in my parents backyard where they never checked on me and <laughs> from there it was my my I wouldn't say I, I guess I go along with the same thing that that it's already been said is it's not necessarily that I'm allow I was allowed to see more, but right. what I gave was given back to me, um, mm-hmm. kind of like my marriage. What I give is what I get basically when you mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's never felt like a give, 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 nobody gives back kind of thing. Because I feel always, always bound, not bound in a negative way, but bound in a secure way to her. And so I don't feel that I have to stumble. And when I'm scared, I remember before that when she took my hand and said, you don't have to be scared. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of been a, a natural evolution for me and I never put much thought into it or never put much thought against it actually you know um, Mm. because it just automatically evolved for me and it it, it is much like to me like um, a marriage as far as when I give to her and meaning Mm. I put my hands out and say okay I'm just going to I don't know what to do in this situation so I'm just going to let you kind of kind of show me the way if you want to you know if you're there Mm -hmm. That that I should be shown the way. Like I I I put my faith in. It. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it here. Um, she answers me, and I've never thought twice when she doesn't answer me because not answering me is also an answer in my mind. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. you know what to do already. Mm-hmm. So right, mm-hmm. right. Silence is one of the best answers, really. I yeah, I love that answer. Neve. Um, what are your thoughts? Because I know that that you are working with Hecate as well. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not. 
I don't know. I don't know if I would say working with it's it's difficult. She's she's not someone that I work with I'd say like on a daily basis. I I mean she's my grandmother. I grew up uh, knowing about her and understanding my heritage as uh, both the descendant of um, of immigrants from a specific part of the world and as a woman. Um, mm-hmm. I understand those two parts of my identity through her. I understand my mother through her. Um, mm-hmm. But the way I went, the the way in which I work with her, I have a an oath of her that I don't need to uh, get into right now. But um, it's it's a very personal one for me, and it's one that um, I don't know what's the proper verb here. Um, it solidifies. I don't know. It it creates this. Um, this really, I don't know, strengthens, I don't fucking know. Anyway, um, it's this kind of networking of magics between her and myself and my mother and the family that I have. Um, the mm. family being both of blood and both uh, commu- and community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I... I kind of re-up on that contract and spell work, I'd say, like, every couple of years. Um, so I've done it, I think, three, two or three times now. Um, no, 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 three. I've done it three times now, three. Um, and the most recent one was at the Hecatesia. And um, mom was, were you, I, yeah, mom was there because we were in the shop. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. the same night, though. Was that the same night? I don't know. Um, yes, um, Mom was. was there. You were, yeah, I, you were consecrating your stag antler athame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, that was a very cry. public. That was a very public oath that I made. Um, I hope I made somebody cry. You made um, all of us cry. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah, and so, I mean, it was a very, it was a very intense night. She and I have a very familial relationship, and she represents like history for me, and my history, and my mother's history, and the history of women, and the history of immigrants, and um. She she means a lot to me, but but she is not. I am not devoted to her. She did give me a she did give me a name, and it wasn't so much a name as uh, Hedera Bindwood, but it was more like a, a title, um, kind of like Bilbo Baggins's Barrel Rider. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I had to bring it. Um, uh, I'm not the only one me, that quotes um, Tolkien. Good. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Um yeah. but the uh, the title that she gave me was Oathkeeper. Um which I which I really appreciated and I like I was kinda like vibrating when I got it. Um with something, vibrating with something. There was a lot of feelings wow. that were happening wow. at the moment. 
Oh. Okay. Okay. You know what? Go fuck yourself. Anyway. Oh. Uh, oh. That was that was rude. <laughs> that was rude of me. I'm sorry. That was reactionary. Sitting here talking okay. about of the and <laughs> go fuck yeah. yourself. I don't know if those two. No, no. It's hey, fine. listen, Bradwick. I don't something. need your commentary. I said sorry. <laughs> I love you, mommy. I'm sorry that was rude. Okay, good job. You don't get to die tonight. Anyway, I don't know where I was. Well, Nebe, I, let me. <laughs> I I like to revisit this with you, Neve, because I think there should be a conversation later about different relationships we have with deities. I think, and, and, and elementals and, and guides and what have you, I think we should touch on that at a later date. Because um, I'm, I'm interested in, in your connection with Hecate and, and maybe flesh that out a little bit. And if there's a word that you can put to it, like I know you're not I'm gonna mispronounce this again. Holy hell. Devote. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> devote. Yeah. Devote. <laughs> I think earlier I said devotee. <laughs> um, yes, you did say devotee. I did, I did. Um but I know so you're not classifying yourself as that, but would you classify yourself as and let's bring that back to the table later. Because I think we should talk about different relationships we have with deities and such. What do you think? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good job. Okay. Awesome. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, what so else? we'll put a pin in that, and we'll save it for next time. But uh, thank you, everybody, for staying on with us for a little bit longer to hear our Q and A here with Hadera Neve and Stephanie Klein. Um. If you and are Aaron. looking for us, you can... And Aaron, oh my God. The, well, okay, the, the silent Thanks, presence yeah. in the room. Aaron. Whatever. Yeah, and, and Bradwick, <laughs> too, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stephanie, goodness. you well, will come back, though, right? I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You're going to come back, Steph? Of course. Yay! Whenever, whenever you want me, back. I'll be here. Well, that's hot. <laughs> Quarantine, 73 weeks. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. Well, if you have listened this far and you want to learn more or ask us questions, you can find us on Facebook on Incantation Nation. You can also send us emails to Incantation Nation. Okay. Well, let me finish my sentence. All right. I'll be quiet. Say it again. Do it. Find us on Facebook at Incantation Nation or um, Village Laughing Brook. It is a group. Yes. Um, just send us a, a message there to be invited in. Then we've also yeah. got an email that you can send emails to for questions at Incantation Nation 2020 at yahoo.com. Yeah. Um, that's all we've got for you this evening. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Any other Raise your voice and get here? loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And good night. Good night. Good night.
Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.